Hello, everybody, and welcome to Match Day Matinee, where we take our love for football and cinema and combine the two to review the best soccer movies available today. My name is Raghav, and I'm joined by Mark and Adam, and today we will discuss kicking and screaming. But before we get to that, Mark and Adam, how are you guys doing? Not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So how's your last week been? Um, yeah, you know, settling into what the world looks like right now. I don't know. I've been read- I'm not so sure I want soccer to come back at the moment because I've been reading that book, The Fix. And it kind of <laughs> makes me think that, hey, maybe this isn't worth it. We were being conned all along. None of this is real. Um, so yeah, how about you? Been up to much? Yeah, I mean, not much. Still just working away from home, trying to make the most out of, I guess, my Netflix and Amazon subscriptions and, and trying to watch, uh, you know, some, some good shows. So I'm watching Gamora right now, which is uh, basically a show about, I guess, the Italian mafia, the Camorra, the Camorra crime family in, in Naples, um, which goes very well along with uh, Ultras that we watched, I guess, in a sense. Um, but other than that, you know, just working, trying to do things around the house as the weather gets better. Um, and yeah, how about yourself, Mark? Doing good, keeping busy. Uh, got regular work, and then I just finished up a rebrand of a team on the West Coast that's going to be coming out soon, so that's pretty cool. And then uh, just watching a bunch of random stuff. Um, Vice put out Dark Side of the Ring, like which is their underground wrestling uh, document docuseries which is really cool. So even if you're not a fan of wrestling, there's some, some cool stuff in there to check out. But yeah, same as you guys. I mean, just trying to fill the time, stay busy. And before we dive into the movie, I guess, let me ask you, what is the uh, one main thing that you miss about football right about now? I know, Adam, that you were saying, uh, you know, you maybe don't want it to come back because of the fix, but let's be real. You know you want to watch yeah. Portsmouth. <laughs> uh, my thing is, Portsmouth, I guess the original date football was supposed to come back was the day Portsmouth was supposed to play and defend the Checker Trade uh, trophy final. We were supposed to be playing in Salford City and that's obviously still not happened. So I know it's like a lower league trophy, but it still was a chance to get some silverware and we were kind of favourites for it. So it's a bit crappy that we are so close and yeah, it's not happening yet and we're approaching May and it's just like blah. Yeah. yeah. Did you end up picking yeah. up that jersey? I'm um, no, I did not, and they sold out of my size actually. I looked again oh. the other day. So yeah, how, many selling... how many jerseys do you already have? Uh too many. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one with a cup final printed on it that didn't actually happen, I guess would be kind of cool. But be cool, yeah, yeah, I missed out on that one. Yeah. I don't know. This past weekend would have been the uh Can PL opening weekend, I think uh, it was. Yeah. yeah. So we would have had uh, Forge on Saturday, I think it was, and then York 9, their opener on Monday. So we would have had a pretty decent weekend of soccer, right? I think that's yeah. what I miss most about it, just going to matches with friends and enjoying it live. I think it's the same for me. I really miss being at BMO Field to watch Toronto FC, just see, you know, the it, it's a whole day event, right? You go down, you enjoy yourself in Liberty Village, bunch of, all the pubs and restaurants are packed out with Toronto FC fans. Then you do the march to the match, you know, you grab yourself a beer, a hot dog, whatever it is. Um, you cheer on the Reds, great atmosphere. And you know, once you actually walk up those steps at BMO Field and you see that green pitch, it's just like, yes, I'm home now. And I really, really miss that. Yeah. But you know what? Football may or may not come back anytime soon, but we still do have football movies to watch. With that, uh, Mark, would you like to introduce today's movie? So, as you mentioned, we're doing Kicking and Screaming, which is a Will Ferrell comedy. I believe it came out in, yep, 2005. And this movie is directed by Jesse Dillon, 
who is known to be a, wait for it, music video director. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> I believe this is the third movie that we've done with a music video director, right? Yeah. Uh, between uh, Ultras and Mike Bassett. So there seems yeah. to be a, an ongoing trend here mm-hmm. where uh, if you want to break out of the music video genre, you take on a soccer movie. Um, but yeah, this is Will Ferrell as Phil Weston. Uh, his dad, Buck Weston, is played by Robert Duvall. And we have Mike Ditka, who's the Chicago Bears uh, football, but not the football that we usually speak about. The, I guess, egg ball, you can call it. Uh, legends. And he won the uh, He won the Super Bowl in 1985, didn't he, with the Chicago Bears? He won it as a coach and he also won it as a player. So I think right. he won Super Bowl six as a player and then uh, as the Chicago Bears head coach in um, 85, you're saying. Right. And he... Makes no, uh, I mean, he makes a lot of mentions of that in the movie as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a theme. Um, yeah, it's it's a movie about a a guy who is trying to live up to his dad's expectations. So he's never been able to meet the demands of his competitive, overbearing father, played by Robert Duvall, uh, who wanted Phil to be a star athlete. Uh, and this whole movie. I mean, so if you look back a couple of movies ago, we took on the world of ultras who are the hooligans of the game who cause violence and generally disrupt matches. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have soccer parents who uh, in North America stand on the sides of the pitches and also uh, sometimes cause violence. You've seen some stories and then just generally disrupt matches. So uh, two, sign, two sides of the same coin, would you guys say? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely. Um, I think uh, sports parents in this part of the world are no less than hooligans in Europe. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. It's an epidemic, I would say. Uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> a bit of a fun movie. It's um, Will Ferrell was in this, I want to say, just after Anchorman. He was just hitting his stride. Uh, he was well known for his SNL sketches. Of course, he had the famous cowbell sketch. Uh, needs more cowbell, baby. And um, this was the start of a, a semi-successful run of uh, sports movies. But uh, I'll let Adam get into the plot now. We can kind of talk about uh, some key moments and maybe if we even like this movie. It'd be interesting to talk about where this ends up on the table today. Yeah. So as you said, it's about uh, Will Ferrell's character, Phil, inability to live up to his father. And we get that right from the start of the film where he's kind of like almost like a lame duck, I guess, like... It's not Will Ferrell in full blast Will Ferrell mode. He's kind of playing like a gentrified guy. He runs a vitamin store shop. He doesn't drink coffee. Um, his son plays for Buck's team, the Gladiators, but then he uh, trades them to the crappy team, the Tigers, who have no coach. Um, and then they recruit uh, Mike Ditka, who's playing himself, obviously. They recruit him to kind of coach them. He's like, if you want to win, I've got a winning method. Recruit some Italian kids. They start winning. They kind of make it to the final. Um, that's how the, well, I guess we'll get to it. That's how the film ends with the final basically being won no, by yeah. no spoilers one yet. of the teams. And yeah, the film ends with kind of them celebrating and are coming together between the families of the Gladiators, which is Buck's team, the dad, and then Phil's team, the uh, Tigers. <laughs> I guess along the way, we're, uh, there's like hilarity, but I'm saying that somewhat sarcastic. Was there right? though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. I spa- oh. Let's kick it off. Like, what are your what are some of your favorite scenes? I think it's probably the best way to go through this. Huh. I think Let the only think. time that okay, so I didn't laugh at the scenes, but <laughs> the 
Okay, so, so when he was on the sidelines and those ringer Italian kids get recruited. And, Massimo you know, and Gian Pirlo. Yeah, yeah, those guys. And, they, and the team starts doing really well because they're the only two that are actually playing. I don't know why, but in the back of my head, when we were younger, we always used to make fun of like USA soccer tactics and things like that, where it's like, I'll give you an example. So Landon Donovan's playing up front and we're like, yeah, Bob Bradley, his tactic is probably pass the ball to Donovan, right? Like, um, <laughs> and I kind of got the same thing. And in my, and just in my head, I kept thinking to Greg Vanny for some reason. I'm not saying Greg Vanny does this, but just his persona. It's like pass the ball to Javinko, right? And I don't know. It, I, it was just funny for that reason because just somehow with North American soccer and it not being as sophisticated i guess as the european or south american game and um i don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago there was coach lasso on nbc um yeah. that went over to the premier league to go coach it just gave me that vibe that american coaches are always like you know pass the ball to the best guy on the team and we'll win right so ted lasso yeah that was uh that was i, I found that quite funny it's gonna be honest struggling to think of a scene i actually laughed at um was this your first time watching it yes Okay. I found it very, it was hard. I found it really like one note and like the one note was like just petering below funny. Like there was sort of bits that made me chuckle. There was nothing that made me laugh out loud. There was some like dumb, like gross out humor. Like there's a kid on the team that likes to eat worms for some reason. Um, And that's the hardest thing. I didn't find any of the kids likable in the same way. I guess in the same way we did with, there was the little kid. Lardass? The Asian, well, yeah. Okay, the little okay. Asian kid, and they took the mick out of his name like throughout the film, kind of. What's his name? Byung Sun? <laughs> yeah. Byung Sun, yeah. But then they call yeah. him Bing Bong and all these Bing other kind Bong, of like, slightly racist like, uh, names. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's another of those jokes that, like we did with Mike Bassett, some of the jokes are kind of so mm-hmm. easy, and I don't think we'd see them as much. Like, this is like a sort of family comedy. We wouldn't see that in yes. a family comedy now. Well, there's that it's one too- teen where he met Byung Sun's uh, parents. And it's two moms, a lesbian couple. Yes. And then he fail, he he fails to understand that they're both his mom. And it takes him like a minute to figure that out. And he's like, you're his mom. But you're his mom. Who's his mom? And I was like, have we really come this far that this was considered a good joke to put in a movie? But I guess, I guess it's been 15 have, years. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, so was, painful to watch. I was telling Adam this before the show, and this is just me. I do not find Will Ferrell's comedy to be particularly funny to me. I know a lot of other people love his comedy. I know a lot of other people like Anchorman and things like that. I am not one of those guys. I I think I've I've had it in for Will Ferrell ever since he joined the cast of The Office uh, after replacing <laughs> yeah. Michael Scott. And and after that, I've that, just man. never taken a like, like, likening to him. Um, but that was so far down his career, though. I mean, even before that, he had some great movies. I don't know, man. I just I just think he's way too over the top. And he wasn't in this movie, actually, compared to some but of his But that others. was my favorite part of this movie. When he finally went over the top off his, like, uh, caffeine binge, and he started doing the whole, like, chair on the field and just being a dick to the kids, that was probably my favorite 15 yeah, minutes of this that, movie. That's yeah. the only bit I liked. And even then, I still think it was a tiny bit too restrained. I was waiting for him to, like, really cut loose. Yeah. And go into like an actual rage. Like my favorite Will Ferrell movie is probably uh, old school. Yeah, when he's like the scenes where he's like drunk and he's like uh, Frank the Tank in those movies. In we're that movie, just hilarious. Yeah, we're going streaking. We're going to the quad. Well, that's like, what made me kind of like depressed. So the, the scenes in the backyard when they're having the barbecue, and you see that pool there, and it, all it did yeah. was remind me of <laughs> yeah. Will Ferrell in his old school, right? 
Yeah, when he gets shot like by the trank. Yeah. <laughs> he gets He's shot like, by the oh, trank. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. I love you, but you're crazy. <laughs> I just and then he stumbles into the pool. Yeah. I yeah. just think his his comedy, it's just you know, he takes the lowest hanging fruit and he just overacts. And that's it. That's his comedy. Like no. there's no wit involved well, involves. Have there's you ever no- seen have you seen um any of his skits from SNL? I have not. No. I can't. I He's can't, got I some can't great see. stuff on there, man. Like he had um he played Alex Trebek and a number of Jeopardy skits uh, played off of, um, I can't remember the actor doing his name, but he did Sean Connery. He did um, George Bush as well, right? George Bush. That was good. Uh, I, I do remember him doing George Bush. That was good. He had a number. Like There's a, there's a best of Will Ferrell on SNL DVD. Like it's 90% of his good. He did Robert Goulet uh, singing the classics. So as Robert Goulet, who's a lounge singer, he would sing uh, Tupac songs and Biggie songs. Like it's all, it's all really good. But it's um, it's been overshadowed by his later stuff, right? Yeah. But what about the other guys? You didn't enjoy that? The other guy? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. No. I, I actually, no, that's not ringing a bell. You haven't seen it? I don't think so. Oh, Check that decent. out. Oh, yeah, like, that was a good movie. It's called The Other cops, Guy. Kind of. it's, okay, so at the beginning of the movie, you know how every cop, buddy cop movie is about two star officers on the squad, and they're the ones that everyone loves, and they're the ones that are on the poster. So it's The Rock and Samuel Jackson within the first 10 minutes of the movie. Right. And spoiler, those guys die within like the first five five minutes of the movie. Right. So the whole movie is about those other guys that are in the background of every cop action movie. Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, Michael Keaton, Ava Mendes might have to give this a watch. Um, It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, But yeah, back to kicking and screaming, I guess. The first preposterous scene actually in the entire movie is that uh, Will Ferrell gets married and then a year it, it goes to a year later and he's having a kid. But his dad has also found a younger woman and yes. he's, they're having a kid on the same day. So not only is he having a son, but he's getting a brother on the same day. Um, and part of part of the, I guess, plot in this movie is also and it's not shown very greatly, but it's um, his son's rivalry basically with his uncle, I guess, that are the same age. Yeah, the same oh, yeah, birthday. True, yeah. um, uh, and one plays for the Gladiators, which uh, Buck Weston Buck coaches, team, which yeah. is the father. And then the other one, um, Will Ferrell, then takes over the Tigers, which are the worst placed team in the league. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of funny to see. Um, yeah, the, it is weird though. There is that rivalry, but you kind of don't see it right till the very end when exactly. little Buck comes yeah. up to him and says, "Hey, good for winning. You like did a better job than us." He's like, take the compliment. Like, he's not like his dad, really, which is weird. That kid's uh, played by um, Josh Hutcherson, who is from The Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. He's the other main character oh, in The right. Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. But in this, okay. he looks That's like he's six that. years old. And then within like a few years, he aged into like a 16 year old. Tough so, guy, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys that there's another child on the Tigers with the long, longish hair, blonde, longish hair. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's little yeah Avery I think his name is yeah I've seen him somewhere he's Beans where's that from even, even Stevens right that's it yeah that that kid is probably the best he's the lard ass of this movie yeah yeah, yeah. Like I watched this movie when it first came out and I remember we used to imitate him when uh, so when they first introduced the team he has the soccer ball underneath his shirt and he's stumbling around going I'm having a baby <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 having yeah, a yeah. baby yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's the best character in this movie. Yeah. And there was that weird beans cam where they stuck like a GoPro in his face and he's running down the field and hyperventilating and stuff like that. He's just a funny oh, yeah, kid. Yeah. Oh, and when he's like, he's like, I'm so unfit for an 11 year old. <laughs> Actually, that made me laugh. I will put that there. Because it's like, yeah, you're 11. You should not be unfit. You've not had enough time yeah. to wreck your body by 11. 
Um, yeah, I mean, so the next thing without, I mean, Adam, you already kind of went through the plot, but what I want to, I think, highlight about this movie and what it's really trying to tell is the, I guess, the impact that's left on an adult like Phil Weston, in this case, who's played by Will Ferrell, about not quite making it in the world of sports and the expectation his father had on him. And I think this is a very real thing for adults um, in today's society um, whose parents were you know, micromanaging them while they were just playing Little League and you know where they should have been having fun, but where they were pushed to become the next big thing and then eventually didn't make it because let's be real, how many, what percentage of people actually make it to the big leagues, right? Um, so that extends beyond yeah. sports too, though, right? He's like, yeah. he's doesn't like, yeah. he doesn't respect him for running a vitamin pill shop at all. He's like, right. he hates but the fact that that's what he is, kind of. He doesn't take the time to actually invest in his son, right? Because he, he lets his son yeah. ride the bench. He's more concerned with winning than kind of living his dreams through his son. And you see that where parents want their kids to play and they're, they're yelling from the sidelines to, at the coach to make sure their kid plays and then try to kind of curry everything in their in their kid's favor. But in this film, he just, he wants to win himself. He's not trying to live anything through his son. And he kind of abandons his son at that point, right? I agree, mm. but I'm willing to bet that his relationship with his son would have been a hundred times better had his son been a success at sports. Um, and, and, and just, you know, because... You're right. I think he's invested in himself. But if his son was successful in a sport, soccer, track and field, whatever it is, he seems like the type of father that would be like, yep, I honed his skill. I'm the one that got him there. Actually, I'm, that's yeah. true. I'm going to agree with you because he does do that with his second son. So Will Ferrell's yeah. younger brother that we were just mentioning that was born at the same time as his son, uh, he does do that. He becomes the star of the Gladiators because he invests that time. So, so it's just Will Ferrell himself, I guess, that he doesn't uh, doesn't care to invest any time in. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, so there's that. Um, there's the fact that Will Ferrell's son now, who when he was playing at the Gladiators, was on the bench. He was not getting any game time. And at that point is when um, Robert Duvall's character basically goes to Will Ferrell's character, Phil Weston, and tells him, hey, I'm going to get your son playing time. And Will Ferrell's happy. He's like, oh, yeah, finally. That's exactly what I you know wanted. Um, but by, by this, Robert Duvall means that playing time means that he gets traded to the worst team in the league. Um, mm -hmm. what did he trade him for what did he trade him for yeah. he said he got nothing in return oh okay yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. like I traded him but I didn't really get anything in return um, at this point Will Ferrell basically breaks the fish tank in uh, Robert Duvall's house oh yeah with the darts yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah with the darts and so that was a funny scene there's a good line in that scene when he's talking about the fish dad what happened to your fish he's like that oh, fish yeah. ate all the other fish alright just the delivery is good yeah but there's I feel like there's the soccer in this is only a prop to the the rest of the film. Like you could have filled in any other sport in yeah. that. A hundred percent. The movie 100%. would have still worked. And and I think this movie is an an insight into how parents and the how parents behave. First of all, d during kids' sports and what the expectations of those kids actually are. I think that's what the movie is all about. Um, but that's a, that's the kind of thing of the myth too, right? So there's yeah. this myth of. There's like, a, I'm not sure of the numbers, but let's say 300,000 kids playing soccer across Canada. Why isn't the national team any good if we have this many players? It's because most of them are just playing it recreationally. Right. And the parents are yeah. coaching and the parent who might yeah, not exactly. know anything about soccer. So yeah. not only are the kids at a disadvantage because, you know, it's all about why isn't my son getting, you know, why isn't he getting off the bench? And, uh, you know, why aren't we winning? It's A, they have no proper coaching. Um, B, 
at least in the greater Toronto area where we live, if you've seen some of the conditions of these pitches that kids have to play on, they are horrible. Um, and secondly, even playing soccer in this day and age has actually gotten really expensive. And that's part of the fundamental problem with how we approach soccer in this part of the world is a poor, some, somebody that comes from an impoverished background may not actually be able to afford to play soccer. And we thrive off of a pay-for-play system whereby in North America, to play any kind of recreational sport, you actually have to pay out of your own pocket. It's not that, it's not where kids can just go enjoy themselves or hone their skills. It's all about pay so your kids have something to do on Wednesday nights. Yeah, it's, it's an activity, right? It, it could be kind of like spin the wheel and see what your kid likes. So it could be soccer, it could be karate, it could be dance lessons. Um, and then Whether if it does so- not, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and it does, if it does so happen that your kid is good at it, like Regev was saying, it's pay to play. So at that point, you're paying to develop your kid. And then, of course, you are going to be competitive because you're investing so much money into it. And you're driving. Let's At that point, too, you're trying to pick the best team for your kids. So you're not driving down the street to the local field to play. You're probably driving a couple cities over. Um, yeah, but who's really coaching these kids, right? It's They're not really being developed because it's just another yeah. guy like me who works at an office that might not really know the ins and outs of soccer, doesn't really know how to even deal with kids per se, because that's a very special skill. And that's why we hold our teachers in such high regards because they're responsible for our children. Well, those two hours at the children's are with the coach, that coach is responsible for my child. And I expect that if I'm paying money, that my kid is at least being developed um, properly. And that's that's not the case when it's volunteer-based coaching. That's also the weird thing about this movie like Will Ferrell goes through his crazy like coffee infused meltdown and they kind of realize the tactic it's not him that's taught the kids anything that ultimately leads them to win it's actually those two Italian kids that have taught them like a couple of them they taught some of the kids like step overs and stuff and like almost like Cruyff turns and that's how they win so it's kind of weird it's like what so the kids could succeed without the parents if they wanted to it's just it's a, yeah, it's really weird. Like the Italian kids are obviously good. So then what's the message? Like, oh, the good kids will teach the crap kids how to be better and they'll win the day. It's pretty much yeah. such a muddled lesson. And then by the end, we're supposed to feel good for the outcome of the final game. And it's right. like, I don't really like yeah. nothing was earned here. No, I <laughs> lessons were earned. I actually went through a similar experience when I was younger, when I actually, when I first moved to Canada, uh, my parents put me in house league soccer and there was this kid named Donovan. Actually, funnily enough, his name was Donovan. Calling um, him out. Doing yeah. him dirty. Well, no, no, he was good. He was good. There's nothing wrong with him, but he was clearly the best player on the team. Right. And the attitude when, for whatever reason, he couldn't come, maybe he was grounded or something. And this was the playoff game. The whole team was like, well, now what are we going to do? Donovan's not here. We're probably just going to lose this game. And some guy that's coaching me shouldn't shouldn't get the kids to think like that. Oh, that was the coach saying that? No, no, no. That wasn't the coach oh, saying okay. that, but that was the attitude of the kids on the team. And that's because the what the coach was doing at that time was very similar to what Will, Will Ferrell does in this movie. Donovan plays the full 90 minutes while the rest of us are subbing in and out, right? It's So we've done that in indoor soccer though, right? Yeah, I mean, we have like two kind adults. of ringers that we bring in and then we... But, but you know what? But we're even adults, as adults, it's not going right? to affect me. It's not really... I'm not going to think about it the next day, to be honest. Whereas a kid, I'm like, crap, Yeah, you're man. still impressionable. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like you're saying, though, right? Most of the coaches here are volunteers. I think if you look back at Iceland and why they've had so much success in the, the Euros and the Worlds, it's because they don't they don't have that setup anymore. They They got rid of volunteer coaches altogether. Um, I think they made everyone get a UEFA B license if you wanted to coach at least. And uh, there's accountability now. When you're a volunteer, there is no accountability. It's kind of 
why are you doing such a bad job at coaching? Well, because I'm a volunteer and I have an actual job and this isn't my job. Well, and then the buck stops there. I'm, I think you need at least a community license from the CSA to coach even house league soccer, I believe. I don't think so, man. Like I was looking at, I was trying to register my kid for soccer and like just as big of an ad next to register your kid for soccer is volunteer to coach soccer. And there's literally no requirements. It's, Oh, you show like up one and, qualified overseeing the whole thing and everyone else can just be volunteers. yeah exactly so yeah i think it's getting paid minimum wage if it's like a summer camp one then yeah i guess yeah. in a part of the world where soccer is just looked at something for your kid to do like you said an activity it's probably going to be very hard to find that many coaches for that many teams because it is just one thing that a kid does during the course of a week and there's what probably hundreds if not thousands of teams in one given area and so to expect everybody to be licensed while coaching house league teams, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But I also agree that I think everybody should have some sort of credential if they're looking to coach kids, not only for the soccer aspect of it, but how to actually deal with kids, how to deal with uh, their development, not only as athletes, but as as, as human beings, right? And yeah. um, I, I, I do know from experience that there's some really good volunteer coaches, so I'm not trying to slag off parents or anything like that. There's people that put their time into it. They're really great. They take care of, of the kids on the team like they're their own, bring snacks and stuff like that. But um, I think there needs to be some accountability. But everything you mentioned there had nothing to do with soccer skill, right? Which is Which speaks to the point. Yeah, we can't. We, if this is a recreational activity, then that's all fine and great. But if we want to develop these players to one day feed into our national team, then there has to be some accountability at the gra- at the grassroots level. Do you? OK, but let me, I guess, kind of flip the question on you and both of you, actually. Do you think that it is the way it is because people don't actually see soccer as a viable career option like they do your hockeys, like they do your basketballs? It, it isn't right. Like even right now. So what you're saying about people being paid to um, if you're paying your kid sorry, paying for your kid to go into a program, um, you want that person to actually be a decent coach. A lot of those coaches are actually players uh, on the side or weekends or whatever uh, running programs because you have to supplement your income from being a player. If you look at the um, CPL, I think it came out this week that a lot of guys are making about 25000 at most. And then there's a few big players that make 50000 Right. I mean, that's not really a livable wage. So you do no. have to supplement no. that with um, with coaching camps or whatever you can do on the side. Right. And I also think there's a huge difference between joining a house league team at Brampton Youth Soccer Club versus joining like the D-Row Academy or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's one, pay to play, right? Like you can pay 300 sure. bucks to join uh, Brams United. And then that's something that you to make sure your kid gets out of the house and he's not breathing like uh, that 11-year-old kid and kicking his screen. 100%. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Versus... Versus I want my kid to be on a pathway where I know in five years he's going to develop and then he'll join this team and then join this team. And eventually, uh, hopefully MLS one day, if not CPL or even better overseas. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think the onus really falls to the professional teams that we have in Canada to to really, you know, ha- create an infrastructure. And I know Toronto FC has at least started that somewhat, but to create an infrastructure where kids who actually want to play soccer and potentially want to turn that into a career option can actually go in. I know we've deviated a lot from this movie <laughs> talking, talking about pay to play and, and all that, but, but it kind of fits into the mold, right? Because in this movie it is, I, it's almost I like backstory that a film we're finding provide. depth. In, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, finding yeah. depth in a really shallow movie. A hundred percent. I gather that they're playing house league and that Will Ferrell is obviously a volunteer coach because he actually took over some, from some guy that just disappeared. Um, <laughs> who you don't even see in the movie. 
Um, so that's the backstory, I guess. And, and I think all I was trying to shed light on basically is how do you get these players to be better at soccer? Right? How do you teach them proper shooting form at the very least? Okay, their house league, it's an activity. But how do you at least teach that person how to play soccer and not just run around after the ball? Yeah. I guess that's Make sure the coaches are licensed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Make sure the coaches know what they're doing first off. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that was funny too, like the soccer scenes in this movie, I guess they were like 11 years old, but... Most times, I guess at that point they're developed. I was going to say it looks like Timbit soccer. Well, Timbit soccer here is what, five, six age group? Where they just kind of cluster around the ball and there's very yeah, little just skill. chase it, yeah. yeah. It might and be. even at 11, yeah, if it's house league, then it's usually pretty bad still. Yeah. Um, but what were some other favorite scenes you guys have in this movie or just at least notable scenes? I guess one notable part of the film is, is as Phil guides his team from the bottom of the league, the Tigers, and they get they make it to the final, it's kind of... They shape up and Phil and Buck make the bet about kind of what's going to be at stake. And if the Tigers win, then um, Phil gets to... Uh, no, I guess let's start with the, if the Gladiators win, then Phil has to shut his vitamin store and come and work for Buck. And if the Tigers win, Buck will give his most prized possession. And I guess unknowingly to me, we've kind of tied to last week's episode because his prized possession is a ball that Pele kicked took a free kick and kicked into the stand yeah. and Buck caught it. But what's funny is later on in the film, you see a flashback to that and actually Phil did catch the ball but then Buck kind of pretty much just wrestled it off him. <laughs> That's how like uber competitive it was and it's like his prized possession when it should have really been uh, Phil's all along. <laughs> um, so I found that kind of funny and he like, it's up on this like pedestal over a fireplace and it's just funny as well because it's not even a ball from like a goal or anything. It's no. from a free kick <laughs> that's skied over the crossbar. Hey, it's hey, like hey, his hey. prized possession is one of sort of failure. You know what one of my prized possessions is? It's pie. very similar actually. Uh, so for me, when Canada played the US actually in October at BMO Field oh, and yeah. won 2-0, nothing, um, players started kicking the balls into the stands after and all I see is this ball. It's coming like it, you, it seems like it's going to go onto the roof of the stadium, but then it comes straight down. I literally don't have to move. It falls right into my lap. And I still have that ball. It's actually right beside me right now from the game where Canada beat the U.S. 2-0 in the men's, uh, in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League. And I still have that ball. And it's first time, I think, in like 30, 34 years or something like that, that they beat them, that they beat the U.S. Yeah. Um, the I ball fell into the kid's uh, lap next to you and you wrestled away from him. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought I might have, you know, might have got jumped for the ball because I was taking the go train that day. Um, So people are like, hey, did you catch the ball? Did you catch that ball? I'm like, no, I bought this from the store. Um, (laughs) So scuffed up. Um, That scene. So the scene where the the Pele ball, as he calls it. Yeah. They went the full length to make that look authentic to the NASL of that period. So they had um, the authentic ball. They had uh, Pele and the Cosmos in the proper uniforms. They were playing against the uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers with the pinstripe um, yellow-red uniforms. Like for, what was it, a 15-second scene? Yeah. And at most? Yeah, they they could have just shown, they could have easily just shown the foot of a player kicking a ball and then them (laughs) catching it. But they went, yeah, they went a whole hog, all those players in the right kits, enough of them as well that they were like lined up for the wall. There was a goalkeeper there. It was an insane amount of detail that didn't. Those dads wearing the uh, the Cosmos hat. Yeah, I was super impressed. I was expecting like a few more scenes from that, but that was just a little tease. it's weird because it seems like somebody who actually had love for that period or at least soccer in general yeah. worked on that. And then they kind of just got rid of that guy or something. 
Like they brought yeah, him in for weird, some right? advisement. Yeah. yeah. For one scene. Yeah. Maybe there was somebody that was just an American like soccer history advisor or something. And that was it. He didn't yeah. do anything else but that one scene. Cause it is weird. Cause there's nothing else that even touches it. It's not like a Mike Bassett where there's like clearly stuff like littered throughout yeah. it. That's little references to English football's history, like good and bad. It's just weird. It's like none of that. It's just that one scene. Yeah. Well, this movie takes place in Chicago, and then when uh, Phil goes to visit his son, he gets on his bed, and you see that he has a Chicago Fire bedspread, and there's a few Chicago Fire uh, posters around oh, the room. Okay, I missed that one. Oh, so you get an MLS reference in there. Probably the only one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The Chicago Fire, who now no longer play at uh, Bridgeview Stadium, and now play at Soldier Field. So. Right, the Soldier Field, yeah. yeah. I think they started at Soldier Field, right? They did, they did, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes, actually, that I haven't mentioned yet, and this was towards the end of the movie, um, and we were talking about this is where typically at the end of sports movies, the coach always gives a motiv- motivational speech. And you see both Will Ferrell giving a motivational speech to his team and Robert Duvall giving a motivational spe- uh, speech to his team, the Gladiators. But they're just so different where Robert Duvall is like, you know, guys, we know we can beat these guys. Who are we? The Gladiators. And... Um, Will Ferrell, so high off of the coffee, is like, <laughs> guys, we oh, are yeah. going to win today. And they're like, why are you whispering? For the effects, right? And it was just so funny. And I think they're actually taking a dig at sports movies in that scene where every single sports movie, in especially American, ends with or what leads to the team winning is always that motivational speech. So you guys have seen any given Sunday. It's a game of yeah. inches, right? Like um, on any given Sunday. Um and yeah, I, th- I think they were trying to throw shade at, the, at those motivational speeches. And I think that was that was kind of funny. Actually, kind of related, unrelated. Um, I forgot to mention it earlier, but I watched it on the weekend. Um, Eddie the Eagle. Have you guys seen that movie? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have not. That's a fantastic sports movie. Um, I think it's a Fox movie. It's directed by Matthew Vaughn, I believe. Um, yeah. Who's done like Kick-Ass and um, a few of the X-Men movies. Uh, Kingsman. Is the other one he's done, and so the star of Kingsman is named right? escapes me right now, but he plays um, Eddie the Eagle, who is Isn't a Taron, ski jumper. Egerton. Taron Egerton. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. And it's also um, directed by Dexter Fletcher, who also did that uh, the Rocket Man movie, which oh, he's also. So it's not directed by Matthew Vaughn. No, no. I just I think it's it his up. production company at least because it's yeah, his Marv maybe. Pictures, which is his. Uh, but yeah, yeah speaking of sports movies, watch that one. Yeah. Yeah, that has a few. And Matthew Vaughn, they're all friends and stuff. So it's probably, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a great sports movie. But like you were saying, it has that motivational speech in it. For and, sure. Yeah. Um, it actually takes place in Canada, which is a nice little oh, nice. nod local. Nice. Um, one thing I noticed about this movie, and I had to look it up afterwards, but uh, have you guys ever seen the series called Undeclared? No. No, it's a college series uh, from like oh, 2001. From Judd Apatow, right? Judd Apatow, yeah. So that's the yes, connection. Yes, so when he goes to the coffee shops, uh, there's a guy behind the counter. And I first saw that guy. He's never in anything. He's only been in undeclared in like, I couldn't even tell you. And then so when he goes he back to the coffee shop. Um, so undeclared is Jay Baruchel, Seth Rogen, that nerdy guy with the yeah. long hair, and yeah, okay. the nerdy guy with the shaved head. Uh, so he's behind the counter. Carla Gallo, yeah. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Charlie Hunnam is the guy from Green Street Hooligans. Yeah. And Sons um, of Anarchy. There's Tim yeah. Sharp. It might be Tim Sharp. Okay. So that guy's behind the counter. And then about 10 minutes later, Will Ferrell goes back to the coffee shop. And there's this nerdy guy hanging out at the counter who is Martin Starr. And he's been in a number of things. Probably his biggest role was Spider-Man. 
where he plays a science teacher. But they're just there hanging out. And I'm thinking, this is like the weirdest cameo. So I looked it up. Yeah, so Judd Apatow, I guess he was a producer on this. Oh, okay. And he just kind of stuck some people that he wanted to eventually be a big one day as a favor. And then uh, you have a Mad TV connection as well. So you have David Herman, I believe it is, is the referee for like literally every single game in this. Yeah, he referenced the house ref for this league and nobody else gets a look in, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Alex Barstein, who is the, the Hummer lady. You know, oh, Hummer. right, yes. the, the one that double when, parks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's that's in uh, Marvel's Miss Maisel now. Funny. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so uh, yeah, these funny, weird connections. Yeah. I guess, let me ask you this. Um, we see that the movie is clearly about parents basically losing their shit on the sidelines. That's, that's a part of the movie, at least Will Ferrell and, and a couple of other parents. Is there anything from your childhood that you've seen, maybe not your parents, but other people's parents that you've seen and you can draw back to where, you know, parents are just completely losing their shit or maybe even from uh, Mark, your own experience with, with your kid? Oh, man. <laughs> I, um, my dad used to coach my brother's team and my dad wasn't the angry parent. He was the calm one and he was trying he tried his best to like teach kids what he could because my dad was a semi-decent player, like played semi-pro quite like into his like into his 30s i guess and he was trying his best but would be calm and if they lost he'd be like okay guys whatever but sometimes he'd play other teams and one woman like after the game on the opposing team was just screaming at my dad saying you guys are a piece of shit team like you shouldn't even be in this league your kids don't deserve to be on the same pitch as my kids and all this shit because they won ironically they won because they actually got an italian kid join the team and he scored a hat trick <laughs> so like it's like that's kind of rang true as well but yeah this woman and my dad and then my dad was just like talking to her and being like what are you saying? There's kids all around us. Why are you telling me that they're a piece of shit? And he's just like, calm down. Some parents just lose it, man. Yeah. And I was just like, what? And she wasn't on the coaching staff. She was just a parent that had been on the sideline and was just really unhappy that her prized little boy had lost a game to a team that she kind of didn't respect for whatever reason. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of. There's a bit of um, just that like protectionism over your kid right where you you would yeah. do anything for them and you just you kind of lose it like the mama bear mentality just pops in and you go nuts mm-hmm. um for a couple seasons i was like an assistant coach for my nephew's team at i think it was um it's either dixie or north miss here um but there wasn't any crazy parents on the sideline caring it was almost the complete opposite whereas the kids from kicking and screaming so there was this one kid who would come in and her mom would literally give her coloring books. So the entire game, she would just sit on the sidelines and uh, <laughs> color. <laughs> and then uh, there was another kid who would uh, play goalie. But these are all like community fields, right? So behind the net is just like this beautiful hill where if you were a kid, you, like, you'd want to just roll down it, right? So he's waiting the entire time. He's looking. He's got one eye ahead of him. The other eye is behind him. And as soon as the ball was kicked upfield... He just made a run right for that hill, ran to the top of it, rolled to the bottom, and then ran back into the net. <laughs> is this is this Major Oak Field here in Brampton? What's that? Is this major? Are you talking about Major Oak Field here in Brampton? The one? No, where- this is. Um, no, this would have been in Dixie. It might have been the Valleys or ah. uh, do you, where that. Um, if anybody's here in Mississauga, but where Courtney Park is now, the um, the indoor soccer uh, field right, there. Right, that we right, made the right, charity right. match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there was another dad who named his kid Ronaldo and his kid was doing crossovers on every other 10 year old there was just telling him his kid would take every corner. Um, This guy was calling for like yellow cards in a a seven year old match. And (laughs) 
it just it was so painful and cringe to watch. That's like just, amazing. This guy tried to turn his kid into a superstar. He was obviously one of those guys trying to live out his dreams through his kid, right? Right. Yeah. I guess for me, I mean, I've played football or soccer as a youngster pretty much my entire life. And I haven't seen too many crazy incidents in soccer. And I, and it, mind you, I never played at a very, very high level. Um, house League is where I played. but So I didn't see too many crazy things happen there. But... I think this is more prevalent in the hockey world because I went to go watch. I went to go watch my nephew play hockey, um, and this wasn't from any parent on his team, from but from the opposing team. This guy's like, "Hey, coach, put my effing kid in." You know, like, "What are you doing? This is why we're losing the game." Like, blah blah blah. Like, just yelling on the boards. And there's like, not only are there kids playing on the ice and can clearly hear this guy, those kids have like little brothers and sisters that are you know running around around those parents and just listening to this guy's mm-hmm. drivel um and like nobody even really told him to uh, be quiet but then my cousin uh who was there was at, at you know she was she was telling me basically he's like oh yeah parents get into it with each other all the time here like yeah. all it's, the it's, time it's much worse in hockey there's yeah. almost that toxic environment around it yeah. right yeah and uh i don't know if it's more of like a testosterone driven sport but uh, like we were talking about earlier the investment in it right with soccer pretty much you give your kid a pair of shoes and shin pads like i don't know if you need much else beyond actually paying to register and having him play uh, but with hockey you're buying all kinds of equipment every year because your kid is constantly growing out of it That's so you're investing yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars every every year of course you're going to be that uh, angry about your kids sitting on the bench right it's money that you've spent and it's it's not being used absolutely but you're also trying i think sports is a great way to teach your kids how to be humble how oh, to of course, stay yeah. off the streets and this is what they're doing while they're yelling at the coach who is clearly acting in the best interests of these children especially in hockey because i believe they have to be licensed in hockey um but hockey is kind of the worst sport for the like you're saying staying yeah. off the streets like there's no way right like you're lucky to have kids uh like yeah. or even refugees come in we can put them into soccer camps or have them play oh, on community absolutely. teams in hockey, I don't see that happening at all. Like, it's just, oh, no, it's you too expensive. It is way too expensive. Yeah. And yeah, especially if you are, so the, uh, hockey has a similar system where you can just play recreationally. You can play house league. Um, and that's one, and that is already expensive enough. But now when you're playing rep or you're playing AAA, you actually have to go city to city. And like, you know, I have family members that drive their kids like to Peterborough. They're going to Ottawa, right, on, on a weekend just so their kid can play. And I mean, yeah, I, 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 I I get, I, I totally understand where I guess some of the frustrations come from when your kid's on the bench. But that's life, right? You're trying to prepare your kid from life for life through sport, and it is what it is. Yeah. Well, there's that the stereotype of like there's the hockey mom, there's the soccer mom, right? And they're two very different things. Soccer mom is kind of the minivan and happy-go-lucky, yeah. make sure the kids have oranges at halftime, whereas the hockey mom is the the Karen, I guess, is the, <laughs> the Karen. It's the best uh, <laughs> kind of analogy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a very real thing, especially in Canada, right? We see that more here. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think everyone, maybe I'm just kind of, you know, drawing conclusions, but I guess everybody's kind of just expecting their kid to become the next Gretzky because they've spent like $5,000 a year at least <laughs> on, on their child. But I think it's like, just as a parent, right? Like your kid could draw the ugliest picture and you're still going to love it, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's just you want your kid to to be the best and everything. And then when you put them in a competitive environment where there's clearly one kid who's better than the other, you take right. it to heart. Right. Yeah, I guess you do. I guess that's fair. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Where, you know, this... Th- and this movie and this outlook into 
how soccer is in North America is very different than what we saw in the previous movie where in Pele, those kids were from the street. They used to play with cloth balls and that's where they developed their character when it came to becoming soccer players, right? Um, here, it just, I guess in North America, it's just all just very, it's, it's an environment that you almost, a fake environment that you almost have to create for that child. Yeah, where we're in Europe and South America, you're learning on the streets. Yeah. Well, here it's, you're learning in FIFA almost, right? Like if you're not actually playing, <laughs> yes. yeah, you're, you're playing in FIFA with your buddies. That's where you're learning about um, international teams, right? Yeah. Cool. Is there uh, anything that, anything else that caught either of your eyes on, uh, on this movie? Not really. Pretty much we've covered everything that was in my notes. I'll be honest, these weren't the most extensive notes I've ever made. Yeah, um, it wasn't a very deep movie. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, there's a few good one-liners, like when Will Ferrell's talking to, like the fish one I mentioned earlier, of course, the uh, I'm having a baby. But then when Will Ferrell's finally talking back to Mike Dicka, he's telling him, like, get me a juice box. Get oh, juice yeah. Box. He's like, <laughs> that's your job. That's your job. But let me ask you guys this. So for some reason, they took a American football coach, well-known, and stuck him in this role as the celebrity um, coach of the Tigers. Is there anybody from the American soccer pantheon that you could slot into that role and have any name recognition up to this point? Obviously, 2005. You mean you mean get somebody from American soccer and put them into that the same role that that coach had? Exactly. And have any kind of name oh, recognition built done. around him. Not that would have been retired by that point. That would get enough recognition for a film that's nationwide in a cinema. Yeah. I think you I, might I think, struggle, right? I, I can't think of one something as well. Yeah, Lando Donovan's the obvious one, but he's still, but he was still was playing, playing then. Point. Yeah, he's I think still there's playing a couple. Until like a year ago. Um, I think you could have put Bruce Arena because he in 2002 he led them to the quarterfinals. Right, that was Bruce Arena, right? Um, in Korea, Japan. Yeah. Good question. Was it even yeah. 2002 or was it 2006? In that early MLS era, it was like Siggy Schmid, Bruce Arena, Bruce Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley. I can't think Those of people else. still recognizable en masse. For, for somebody that's come in just for a Will Ferrell comedy that happens to have football in it, those people aren't going to care, are they? Um, I can tell you a female. I, think, football. I could tell you a female. I think Mia Hamm would have been a great yeah. in that role. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, okay. Was it 96 that she took off the shirt and she had the sports bra? 99. 99, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, close enough. But yeah, there's yeah, literally, I, we're struggling to find like a single name that they could have put in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's say they made it today. Who would, who would they put? Ooh, Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan, yeah. It's the only one I can yeah. think of. Landon Donovan. Throw a bunch of money at David Beckham and hope he comes back just because yeah. he yeah. has that American recognition. I mean, he's almost American, but he's not American. Yeah. Um, it's a struggle, right? Yeah. Landon Donovan is the only one I can think of. And I, I don't even think he's that popular. Like, Landon? No. I mean, if you were to ask Joe Schmo. In the Midwest, who Landon Donovan is, I think a lot of people would struggle to answer that question. Yeah, yeah, which is why I think they went an American football like Super Bowl winner, and there's enough people out there that would know who he is, or somebody with them could explain who it is at least. They're hoping for that crossover appeal. Yeah, and there's Alexi Lawless. <laughs> maybe, maybe Alexi Lawless. No, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's a struggle. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I guess moving on, if nobody else has anything about the movie itself, because like we said, it's not the deepest plot. Um, it's a good kids movie, I guess. I guess it's a good kids movie. Yeah. Um, let's discuss some of the footy flicks. Mark, we'll start with you. 
Footy flicks in this movie, I did enjoy one scene when the uh, the Italian brothers first came on and they had the cute Italian song playing in the background and these kids were kind of schooling everyone else. Um, aside from that, everything was just so awkward. You would never knew the positioning of these kids on the field. Like it would just show a close up of the kid's face and then suddenly he's at the the um, the uh, half line and then a second later he's at like the uh, the PK spot and ready to just like knock it in. It's just so weird. Like it, then they had that cam early on when I don't, I'm not sure how they filmed it, but it looked like they just tied a camera to like a a scooter board and they just pulled it in front of the kid where it's just really shaky and those ball level. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything it just, they all sucked like they were all just terrible aside from the, like the one cute scene with the italian kids um this is probably like the worst footy flicks that we've had so far um but uh yeah probably know. what do you guys think i'm the same i just think it's lame like they we've not really talked about it much i guess the finals where we see the most football outside of the italian kids and they win with all these ridiculous like cliche jokey ways like <laughs> the kid that eats the worm eats a worm to distract somebody they do this weird thing one of the kids has learned how to flick the ball on his back like how the italians taught him but then they have you just seen, shield him have you seen the mighty ducks yes the, the flying v the, the first one is the flying v they did the flying yeah. v they stole yeah, that from yeah, the mighty ducks yeah they that's did, true they yeah, yeah they did you're right um what's the other one? Oh, where there's a big kid on the team he sort of takes the ball, stops with it, and then just charges at the other kid whilst the ball's being played. And it's just like... I, I did yeah. love the part where he put Byung Song on his back and the announcer's like, they're making oh, some sort yes. of... Uh, I can't what they called it. It was some like Megazord or something, but that was actually yeah. funny. It was a callback to earlier in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because the kid's like the shortest kid I've ever seen playing football. <laughs> like legit. I don't know why they found him, but yeah. That's yeah. about it, really. I, th- what I do think, you think we're lame for the most part. What do I think? Um, I think one that stands out for me is that spin move that uh, Phil Weston's son, Will Ferrell's son, does at the end and beats oh, his right. uncle, who's the same age, um, just leaves him for dead and scores the goal. Very uh, <laughs> Messi-esque of him. So that was kind of cool overall. I mean, the scenes that I enjoyed the most, I think the Italian kids had obviously had some skill. Um, so that was good one of the cutest scenes in the movie actually if we're talking about footy flicks is um when beyond sudden is supposed to pass it to the italians but goes for the shot oh <laughs> and it just kind of trickles to the goalkeeper like it's a pass even lesser than a pass um i found that to be funny and will ferrell's just like losing his shit on the sidelines he's basically like beyond son you're off why would you take the shot and he's like you know because i wanted to score and i thought i had the shot he's like you don't take the shot ever Right, these two mobs get upset. Yeah, yeah. So that was funny. But yes, I, I agree. To From a football, it's almost sacri- some of these scenes are almost sacrilegious if you're a traditional football fan. It's kid soccer, though, man. Yeah. I, it's just really bad that, kid man. soccer. Yeah, I know. It's supposed to be a comedy, but it's over the top. What can you do? So I forgot to mention at the beginning, the director of this, um, he's directed. He had directed two other movies before this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd seen that. So just before that was American Wedding, um, which was okay. It was a nice wrap-up to that trilogy. And then How High with uh, Meth and Redman. Do you guys remember that Where they smoke dead people to get clever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that movie is ridiculous. I think I might own that film. This How High? Yeah. Yep, because there was an advert for it before. He used to own a... Back when DVDs had more adverts at the beginning, I had the Ali G movie, which is kind of oh, like a right. guilty pleasure of mine. I think there was an advert for Owl H- <laughs> How High before that, and it looked kind of funny, so I just bought it, and I was like, actually, no, this is... It's uh, not as good. I've no. watched it once, and I'm like, it's not a good film. 
Ali G has the better how high scene when they get high at the uh, United Nations. Yes. Right. Oh, and they all finally yeah. still get along. Ping pong ball yeah. scene. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Believe me, Sasha Baron Cohen is an idol of mine. I look up to well, him. He's definitely funnier than method man and red man yeah. i think it is um, i just remember that scene when he's tied to the uh, the fence in yeah. um is it in the house chicken dippers yeah all the other one to go polishes him off this pole's very dirty <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, they drive by the bus he's like look at me now look at me now yeah that is a yeah. good film for now i'm better than this yeah. film for sure watch that movie yeah, yeah. watch that movie watch if it. you haven't seen it that's um actually a great segue so what are you what are we rating this movie out of five stars. So for for reference, I think it was Ebert gave this a three out of five. Who's that? What? Roger Ebert. Okay. If any of you guys give it that score, you're off the podcast. I'm I'm I really don't rate it at all. I don't think it's a horrible enough to like be like a one star or something. But it's like down there for me. I'm gonna say like one and a half. Like in a world where I gave Palais like two and a half. Palais's got so much more craft to it. Like and it's a got like a, it's a better looking movie and stuff, and had more like likable characters to some extent. Like definitely the kids in that were kind of more likable, even though we only saw them. They made more of an impression, even though they were only in half of that film. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say one and a half. <laughs> what about yourself, Mark? Same boat. I'm gonna give it. Uh, you know, I'll give it a one half. Really? Uh, Half a star for Byung Song and half a star for Avery slash Beans. I just, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't watch this movie again. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Um, and Will Ferrell's done a bunch of other better sports comedies. But yeah, yeah. Okay, but, okay. Picture this, right? You guys have kids. You guys have small children, and they've invited other children over for play dates. But you kind of want them to shut up and watch TV, and you put on kicking and screaming. Would you do that? No. Dude, there's Disney Plus. There's like a million better movies than this right now. This is a time. This is 2005. Remember, this is before Disney Plus. Oh, man, you got me there. I got the DVD. There's like one giant scratch on it, but it, it plays right up until like the 94th minute. I might throw it on. You might throw it on. Yeah. Adam. I've seen this movie one and a half times. I watched it once full time. And then we went to a friend's house. We kind of recalled it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I think I remember that being good. And then we threw it on and we made it about halfway through. And we realized we we're looking at it with like the rose glasses and we took it off right away. So I would watch How High again before I watched this movie. <laughs> yes, but you have a child now that you have to throw a movie on for. I don't think How High is the movie you'll throw on for them. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? So I am very, very torn on this. Like I said before, I don't like Will Ferrell's comedy, but I'm trying to look at this movie for what it is. And for what it is to me, this is a two out of five. Wow. This okay. is a two out of five because this is not trying so, to be. So you're putting, you're putting it around the same bracket as Ultras then, basically. No. So I, what did I put? I put Ultras at 2.5. Oh, no. I put Pele at two out of five. But okay. it's a kid's movie. Just because it's a kid's movie doesn't mean it has to be this shallow and pointless, right? I yeah. mean, it can do. Nah, there's... I, so, so Pele to me lacked a lot of the depth that I was looking for. And I said that any other movie that I think is a kid's movie, I wouldn't look at again as if I'm looking at through an adult lens and I wasn't with this movie. Um, I don't know. I think it's a two. I, I, I'm okay to give it a two out of five for myself personally. Hey, I think that's as bad as my uh, three and a half ultras rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the still rating less than 50%, to man. Sorry? That's still less than 50%. It's, this is a bad movie. There's way better kids' movies than this. If, if I'm rating it in a 2020 sense, as bad as the world is today, I still wouldn't put this movie on. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick to two out of five. All right. All right. That, that. This now the next conversation should be very interesting. Well, maybe not so interesting from your point of view, but uh, match day matinee. Where's this going? Can you um, do you have the table on hand? So we know first place yeah. is the damn United. So first place is the damn United. Second place is Mike Bassett. Third place is Ultras. Fourth place is Pele Birth of a Legend. Five. Adam. Five. I, I just can't. Pele was a such a bad made film as much as it was boring at times. And as much as the like the superpowers that we went on about quite a bit last week were ridiculous, it was still a better film. Okay. Personally, I just can't see it going above Pele. So, I think it's worse to try to make a movie on a real subject with events that really happened and totally bomb than it is to make a kid's movie that's clearly fake, that's meant to have cheap laughs. I, I, I think making a movie on a real subject and tanking is worse than that. I think you're forgetting that Pele had a disclaimer that said it was not based on true events. That makes it even worse, actually, in my estimation. Um, <laughs> it kind of, I'm with you on that. It kind of does, especially because it had so many actual events in it, <laughs> like had real Which games. Is- yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just a coincidence that he... Yeah, like, yeah, we talked about it, didn't we? I, you've it's got tough. me on that one. It's tough. <laughs> it, it's very, very tough. Because in Pele, the cinematography is actually nice. Yeah, It's a flawed movie. It's a flawed movie. The English, when they speak the English, totally throws me off with the Brazilian accents. Like, why? Yeah. Where this movie, with the Brazilian accent was terrible. Yeah, where this movie is actually real in its truth... It's American. This is actually what I picture American soccer to be, honestly, when I think about it. Um, Christ. The question is, am I putting this above Pele? You're like throwing me with these legit arguments. This is a shit movie. I don't know what to say back. I genuinely don't. This is such a terrible movie. I was not expecting either of you to defend it, especially not you. shit movie. But this movie lives in its truth. This movie is supposed to be slapstick funny. Talk about Ameri- American kids sports, soccer in this case, which that's what I picture it to be. It's Quite not real. It's not a real story. It's fictional where Pele both tries to be real, but then says it's fake. They speak in those ridiculous Brazilian accents. Um, oh, here's the thing, though. I don't think this is a funny film, even as a kid's film. I can go and watch like a Pixar film and they're funny. Or actually, I'll say the other day I watched the Paddington movie and that's like a legit funny movie. It's clearly for kids. But those are um, so Paddington one and two are like low key some of the best children's movies of the last yeah. five ten years. Paddington but the, is that the I, bear? Paddington, I the bear, swear yeah. watch these movies they are fantastic. They are so funny like that's a funny kids movie and this is not yeah. that at all. Like, if you look at Paddington not... they have like nearly a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, really? Oh, I didn't even know yeah. that. But I watched the first one the other day and it was brilliant. Like, okay. yeah. and I just think I don't think this is even so. I'm just using that as an example to say I can appreciate kids movies that are funny and this is not one of them all right okay i've come to a decision and i am going to also place this in fifth place okay but here's the thing though there's so there's three of us so if there ever is an indecision it's the majority rules of course of course it is okay okay of course it is. And I was but on the glad you came, we're glad you But came you're allowed to stand your ground. Then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, but this is, I mean, this is legitimately a shit movie, right? I'm just, I was just trying to defend it. 
I was wondering if I missed like a post credit scene where one of the kids grows up and has development issues because of the <laughs> the style of coaching and that's what made it so deep and that's why you enjoyed it. But I think you're just taking the piss on us. No, no, no I'm not taking the piss. I'm, I'm just actually, you know, legit. There was like a pre, there was like a kind of end credit scene and that was terrible too. Where it's like that pretend advert for the, well, no, just right before the credits, the advert for the Oh, uh, we got balls or whatever. Like the terrible thing where they're doing like green screen and stuff, and it's he's cutting the guys. Oh, it's horrendous. Yeah. But no, there was no pre edit or post credit stuff, even. Yeah. Terrible movie. All right. So we've all agreed to put this in fifth. I think moving forward, um, as we get into more movies now, is when I think the splits are going to start happening. Um, Especially mm-hmm. with next week's movie, because we're going to be talking about Bend It Like Beckham. So that's going to be quite interesting and in how that yeah. fits on the table. That's going to replace something, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but before um, we do anything else, um, I believe it's trivia time. And Mark is the quiz master. Let's go. Let's so go. right now, what are we at? I think it's four, three, three. So Adam is at four. Am I correct? No, it's four, four, three. Yeah, it's four, so four, me four, and three. you are both at four. Ragav is at three. Four, four, fucking three. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. So Adam, you are currently at four. I am at four and Ragav is at three. So my hope here is that neither of you guys get a single point. But okay. I will be a fair and impartial quiz master. So what I want to do is because this is our first American soccer movie, I'm going to take you through three eras of the Christ, American okay. game. All right. So for this first one, we're going to keep it fairly simple. We're going to go back a century. So the U.S. Open Cup is the oldest ongoing soccer competition in the USA. So just last year in 2019, they held the 106th U.S. Open Cup. And the Chicago Fire, who were seen briefly in uh, Kicking and Screaming, are tied for the second most U.S. Open Cups at four championships. Okay. So they're tied at second. Two clubs are tied for first place. Which of these is not one of those two clubs? Ready? Yep. Adam, Go for it. Yep. Yep. you're going to answer. Regev, you're going to answer next. Okay. So it's okay. Bethlehem Steel, Fall River Marksman, Maccabee Los Angeles. Adam. I'm going to go for... I've not heard of half these things. I'm going to go for the second <laughs> one. What was the second? Which is Fall River Marksman. So they're out of Fall River, Massachusetts, which is about 99% uh, Portuguese population. I've been there several oh, yeah, times. Yeah, I'll go for that. I'd like to think the Portuguese guys would be good at football. Yeah, we'll go with that. I'm happy with that. So choice. sorry. So yeah. this is the. These are the. Which two oh, clubs teams that have not won it? Which team oh. is not tied for first? So which oh, of these two clubs? That. Right. Give two of these clubs. Sorry. This is getting really confusing. Two of these clubs are tied for first. <laughs> One of these is not tied for first. Which of okay. which of these three clubs is not tied for first? So would you say Bethlehem Steel, who's out of uh, Pennsylvania, Fall River Marksman, or Maccabee Los Angeles? No, I'm going to stick with my original choice. I don't Fall care. River Marksman? Yeah, yeah, go okay. on. I... Okay, so this is the way I look at it. Bethlehem's in Pennsylvania. The Fall River one is in Massachusetts. Those were some of the earlier settlements. You said one was Portuguese-based. I'm sure there was a lot of Germans, I think, that went to Bethlehem, Bethlehem Steel. I'm not sure how developed Los Angeles was from a soccer sense. In the early days, but you said it's only four for second. Hmm. You said it's only four championships that, that are the... That are four the, championships for the second place the teams. Second the clubs are tied for second. Five for the uh, first place teams. I'm still going to go for Maccabee Los Angeles that, that has not won it that many times. 
All right. So the correct answer was the Fall River Marksmen. So yeah. they're, they're also tied for second at four. So they're tied with Chicago and a number of other teams for, uh, for second place at four. So uh, Bethlehem Steel and Maccabee Los Angeles are tied for wow. first with five Open Cups. Uh, Bethlehem Steel was recently revived by the Philadelphia Union as a feeder club. But yeah. I believe they rebranded them recently into... Uh, the much more boring Philadelphia Union too. Really? Oh. So yeah. So jumping ahead, seventy-ish years. No, I want to say about fifty years. So speaking of the the NASL scene that we saw in this movie today, I'm going to have you guys do something uh, new to match the matinee. I'm going to have you guys go tit for tat here. So there were 67 NASL teams in the original era. All right. What I need you guys to do is name a club, and we're going to go back and forth. So you get five seconds to name a club. First person who can't name one of this original 67 teams from the NASL loses. You guys think you can do that? I think so. All right, Adam, we're going to start off with you. And starting now. Hey, the New York Cosmos. Thank you. Um, Where you have? Toronto's Metro's Croatia. Thank you, Adam. Uh, this is where I kind of get stuck. Oh, they, um, oh, la, la, la. There's one Rodney Marsh played for Tampa Bay Rowdies. Thank you, Regev. Seattle Sounders. Good. Uh, Adam? It was a, I had no Fort Lauderdale, but I don't know what their end thing I'll, was. I'll accept that. Let's no, go, Regev. You can't. <laughs> I can just name any city then. Yeah, that's true. I can't. You're right, man. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Is it like Fort Lauderdale Shooters or something? So close, my friend. It was a Fort Lauderdale uh, Strikers. strikers. Uh, okay. That. All right. Yes. No, I'll, I'll concede that one. That's fine. Regev, did you have any more in the bank ready to fire off? Um, Portland Timbers. Portland Timbers. Yes. Portland Timbers. Any more? Um, there Chicago was that had team a club. in Minnesota. There's a team in Minnesota. The Minnesota Strikers also. Yeah. They Minnesota. must have been a relocation of Fort Lauderdale, I'm guessing. Maybe. Uh, uh, Montreal had a team in there. Did they? The Impact? Olympic and the, the Manic. Olympic. And yeah. Montreal Manic, I should have known that. Montreal Manic, uh, yeah. Montreal Manic. Oh wait, this is Rochester as well, isn't there? The Rochester is Rhinos? Rhinos. No, Rochester Lancers, who Lancers. still exist oh, today okay. as an MASL team. Oh, I'm familiar Actually, with that. They they might have gone defunct a few years ago. Don't quote me on that. We'll have somebody fact check. If we're ever wrong and you're listening to this, email us and tell us we're wrong. <laughs> Give us <laughs> some sure. fact checks. I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've ex- yeah. You've extended your, I've extended your knowledge. knowledge You've exhausted NASL, your knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, a few other interesting ones were the Caribous of Colorado who had amazing jerseys. You should look those up. They, they had tassels on them. Have you guys ever seen those? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, no, that's something nope, to note down and look up later then. Yeah. The Colorado Rapids did a uh, April Fool's joke recently where they brought those jerseys back and they had uh, TFC's own Drew Moore dress up as uh, a Caribou of Colorado. Um, other names that you might recognize are the Toronto Blizzard. Right. Uh, there was a Team uh, America and a few There were some in Texas, men. right? Texas, Dallas, Tornado. Dallas Tornadoes, okay. San Antonio Thunder. Yeah. San Diego Soccer's now. They're definitely oh. a MASL indoor soccer team. Yeah. Uh, but we did not see them play against our beloved Mississauga no. Metro Stars, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, know. so that point goes to Regev, which means that we are now tied. Actually, Adam five. is still in the lead. Adam's yeah, five, lead four, four, yeah. yeah. One, I want to bring this home. Bad news for me. Okay, so we're going to jump ahead to the modern era. So 
LAFC had a record-setting 2019, taking the supporter shield and setting a record for the most points in a season. But they also set another record in 2017, being the most successful expansion team since MLS's inception. Now, who was the previous holder of that record? Was it Atlanta United, Chicago Fire, or Seattle Sounders? Who's going first, me? What's the success criteria, though? Points. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. So who had the most successful season in terms of points? We're not looking at MLS Cups or Supporter Shields. It's points. Who had the highest points? Regular season. Atlantis, Seattle, and what was the other one? Your options are Atlanta United, Chicago Fire, or the Seattle Sounders. So who had the most successful expansion season, a.k.a. the most points in their very first season in MLS? I'm going to say Atlanta, just because they spring to mind. I know they had a good second season, was it, when they won it? But I feel like they had a good first season as well. Yeah, I'll go Atlanta. Okay. To be honest, not my strong point here, but I'll go that. Um, sorry, the options again are Atlanta, Your Seattle. options are Atlanta United, who I think they started in 2016. Is that right, Regev? Yeah, I believe so. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, Chicago Fire who was a inaugural MLS team, or the Seattle Sounders? I I don't believe it was Atlanta. In their first season, I maybe they made the playoffs, but I don't think their point total was all that great. I am going to go with Seattle Sounders because I remember them doing well. The Drew Carrier. Adam, your answer was Atlanta United. Regev, you picked mm-hmm. Seattle Sounders. You're both incorrect. It was wow. actually the Chicago Fire appeared briefly in our movie uh, they had 56 points in their inaugural 1996 season and they also happened to be coached by bob bradley who led lafc to their record-setting expansion season um, wow. so they had 56 points in their season but keep in mind in uh, mls back in 1996 there were shootouts so no game would end in a draw oh, okay <laughs> right so if it went full-time right. they would have a shootout somebody would have to get those three points uh, so that is great no- news for me because neither of you guys got points. And I'm the best oh, next week. Well, we, got, we didn't cover Oh, though. sorry. Yes, yeah, sorry. You guys yeah, did so get points. 5-4-4 four, four now by my count, yes. I think. 5-4-4, four, four, that's correct. Yeah. So Regev managed to catch up with me, but Adam is still in the lead. It's tricky. Yeah, yeah. and I'm right, the master, so I'm sure I'm going to fall further behind next week. That was fun. You guys got many more NISL teams than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, you could have just you could have started naming one more than city I expected. Name. You yeah. guys should have just started naming city name matched with an animal, and you would have had like a 50 Maybe. 50 chance of getting <laughs> sure. Yeah, All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, no, thank oh, you. That was, that was really good. good. That was really good. Uh, you know, we finally got a chance to discuss American soccer, or even in the quiz, there was a mention of Toronto's Metro's Croatia. So that was uh, that was good. North American soccer, which we haven't really touched on before. Nope. Um, there are a couple of movies that we can look at, but um, they're they're based around soccer as a kind of prop, like this is. Unfortunately, right. nothing about on-field play, not of yet, course. at least. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, any any other lingering thoughts? Anything you guys wanted nah. to say about the movie, the quiz, anything else? Nah, I'm good. I think we've uh, given this film its due of what it deserves. Yeah, and a good chat about, about grassroots soccer. Football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was good. It was a totally different side of the game that we kind of went down a tangent, which I guess sort of connected to the plot of the movie. I mean, we tried to make it as deep as possible, um, where the movie is actually not that deep. Um, But yeah, yeah, that brings us to the end of our show. Next week, we will be reviewing Bend It Like Beckham. And I've gotten a lot of requests to do Bend It Like Beckham. 
And actually on Twitter, um, there was a retweet from two years ago where Vice had named um, She's the Man as the Best Movie, um, you know, Best Soccer Movie Ever, which I think is complete horseshit, to be honest. Have you guys uh, seen that movie? No. I think so. It's a ripoff so, of like Ladybugs. A long time ago? <laughs> it's uh, Channing Tatum and Amanda Bynes, and it's a dirty ripoff of Ladybugs, which I've been pushing you guys to, to watch. So uh, we'll see. After having watched Kicking and Screaming, do I really want to watch Ladybugs? Yes, what do you think? 100%. Ladybugs is a million times better than uh, this. I, I forgot the name. That's how bad it is. Kicking and Screaming. Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> like, it, this is such a bland movie. At least Ladybugs, you can watch it and just tear it apart for all the like politically incorrect stuff that would never exist today and all the overacting by Rodney Dangerfield. So right. I'm making it sound like a tour de force, but it's, it's yeah. better than this at least. Yeah, for sure. But, but next week, Ben yeah. Like Beckham. I'm really looking forward to reviewing Bend It Like Beckham. I think that's, at least for me growing up, I think that was a very powerful movie. Um, I think for, for female footballers, for women's for women's soccer, I think it's a very powerful movie. Definitely better than She's the Man, in my opinion. But, I mean, we're, we're going to do She's the Man at some point, so I don't want to say too much. Um, but, yeah, that brings us to the end of our show. So thank you very much, guys, for joining. Adam, if, they, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, Flameboy84 on Twitter and Joypad Goalposts on Instagram. Mark yourself. Mark83 on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at 83Football. And I can be found at Rag of Sandu both on Twitter and Instagram. And like I said, that brings us to the end of our show. So from the terraces to the theater, we're Match Day Matinee. See you next time.